What a week. What a week. My goodness. Auntie Donna Brown, how are you? And as we wait for Auntie to talk, let me give you a little intro why we have Auntie on the stage with us all the time. Auntie is a consummate business strategist and uh, IP and trademark lawyer. So that should say all that I need to say about this week's um, our co-host and this week's news headlines. Going to jump right in and go into our uh, archives for our email and our first news headline so I can find it is pretty dope um, good stuff good 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 stuff it is from um, NBC news and this is about the planet being saved by black business entrepreneurs what 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 <laughs> that's right. That's right. And it's in your neck of the woods, Auntie. It's in uh, Richmond, California. Ooh, California always has been a little progressive, Martin. You know how that is. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I say so. Especially when I read this story: a biodegradable ice chest cooler. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? Wow, that's pretty cool. I know. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's hell yeah. I'm like, and he, they used it to ship uh, COVID vaccine, COVID nineteen vaccines. I'm like, mm, that's that's uh, that's that's pretty smart, there, buddy. Uh, yes. Down, oh, very cool. Like instead of very cool, <laughs> I guess it's very cool. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Mark. I, I gotta Mark. I gotta give a shout out to my West Coast Californian people yeah. and i know it's everywhere yeah. but the environmental no you're right you need to take a bow seriously like it's it's real yeah it's real um i like what this brother uh um abraham abdul um when he talks about the shift he sees in identifying the modern environmental justice movement um and I like he, how he brought it back to 1982, which I did not know, uh, in North Carolina, when a predominantly black community protested discarding a toxic soil in a nearby landfill. That's something, history, that's black history wow. uh, in the environment I had no idea about. Wow. And, you know, that's interesting that you should say that because at first I'm thinking North Carolina, but right. you know, <laughs> <laughs> but the truth of the matter is land is so valuable, right? That if we are fortunate as a people to access land, too often it's near some top something that's toxic. Exactly. And I mean that's 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 part of the problem, right? As a um, person of color, we we don't have access to the same you know resources in this country traditionally as uh, the majority race had. And then, when you, to your point, when you do get access to resources, it's access to something that is that is uh, toxic. I mean, that's just 
the, the irony and the gaslighting is just like, you know, ridiculous. It's, it's crazy, but I'm going to tell you this. That access to resource thing, yes, we are we are dealing from a deficit. But a show like this right here, that changes the whole game. Now that puts a little responsibility. All you got to do is click play and you will know that you do not want to invest in real estate near a toxic dump. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. exactly. That, and, that and you also know that, um, you know, where, where there are other uh, type of entrepreneurs are and not only, you know, that you're not number one and the only one. For sure, for sure. And community, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if this is just a throwback from slave days when we really didn't talk to each other from one plantation to another. It was taboo. But we don't we don't uh, communicate enough. We need to have a community so that you will know, like you said, there are other people out there doing the doggone thing. Yep. And that's why, you know, we do have... Um, this show and we do talk about uh, different items on the show to make sure that people understand, Hey, look, there is not just the, uh, what we say, the Woodstockers who, who, who are doing their thing. Black people have been doing their thing in environmental justice for a long, long time and never getting props pretty, pretty, pretty much like just ever. <laughs> There you go. Well, this is a new day, right? And I wish, I hope we get some callers who come in and, and say, like, not only is that true, but let me tell you what I'm doing in my community, because we need to hear from y'all. We will put you out if you let us know. But that's the thing. Nobody is stepping up to the plate. Maybe they think it's not popular to be concerned about issues that really affect us financially to the core. Right. That's why you see the in a, in a, all right, links. You can scroll through the links and you can see uh, this news article. Saving the planet is a business opportunity. The next person mentioned the article is freak, uh, freaking genius. Also, um, uh, just 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 the concept that she, being a former electrical engineer at a nuclear facility, was creating a consignment shop called Easy Closet and that's E-K-L-O-Z-E-T and Zimbai created the Atlanta Sustainable Fashion Week. Like, wait, what? What? <laughs> like, like what, what, what? So she's a nuclear, run that back. Did you say she's I a know. nuclear electrical engineer? engineer electrical, yeah, she's I a former electrical engineer who worked at a nuclear facility and, and her side hustle was creating a sustainable clothing store, consignment store. Wow. And then she decided to create the Sustainable Fashion Week, which includes textiles as organic cotton, recycled cotton, organic hemp, uh, organic linen, organic bamboo, and cork. Well, so I wonder if it's the case that if the clothing is not made out of sustainable or biodegradable product, you cannot consign at her store. I don't know. But I do know that the, the fashion week, she had these two panels, which is, which is crazy. How are my fast fashion chain choices affecting the world? And are my clothes killing me? Wow. <laughs> wow. Like, what? 
something's killing us more people than ever before coming up with all of these you know diseases and so but the clothing man i knew i couldn't eat red meat now i got to give like it's crazy it's crazy because in this article she talks about how um 1800 gallons of water takes to grow cotton for one pair of jeans one pair of jeans. Wow. Do you know? 400 gallons of water to create one t-shirt. Wow. Do you know? And I'm the guy that has, I have holy t-shirts. So I'm the guy that holds on to his t-shirts until like, like there's a hole in the back. There's a hole by the neck. You know, I just put a jacket over or a sweater over it. Nobody knows. Now I feel good about me and my holy shirt. Yes. Yes. You know what? That really needs to be like on a label somewhere because, you know, we got people. Yo, for real. Yeah. We got people who, who keep no in glass of No clue. Yeah, no starving, clue. starving because you wearing those jeans. Right. <laughs> like wow. seriously, like real, real talk. Like just not, not fake talk. Real talk. Like it's just like, whoa. So uh, kudos to NBC for covering this. Um, you know, and Earth Day and Black people. I'm gonna definitely highlight this and let let more people know that hey, the blacks are coming, and the blacks have been here. Not coming. They've been here doing the dang on thing wow so. okay so martin with the fashion thing i gotta interject this is a little off script though when you tell me how much 1800 gallons of water for a pair of jeans is yep. that what you said was that yep. okay so kim k now we know she's not black but she was almost kind of in the area when she was with kanye she has mm-hmm. a new pair of jeans a line out now where she takes <laughs> taking ripped jeans, Google it, Mm. to a new level, okay, Mm. to a new level where all I see is thread and thigh. And so (laughs) her jeans might not take $1,800, I mean, excuse me, 1,800 gallons worth of water. Mm. I believe if you look at them, you're looking at more about like maybe uh, three gallons of water. So you might be able to get you some Kim K jeans for three gallons. But here's, here's the thing. That, and that's the thing to ask the sister when we get her on the show as um, to create those jeans. So let's say those recycled jeans. Let's say, say, say for the sake of argument, what is the cost to do the recycling of those jeans? Like, you know, what, and, and that, that could be what the cost is per person to sit there in that facility and create that. You know how much water they're taking up, because that's a very right. specific look, and that sounds like a craftsperson. Wow, which may be more, you know. So like this whole conversation is really making me rethink choices. Like a friend of mine, you know. Side note on Earth Day, <laughs> uh, a friend of mine was like, "Yeah, I'm I'm going to space." I was like, "What? Nick, what?" The? <laughs> so he, I was like, <laughs> "Huh?" So yeah, I was like, "This is uh, Anton, what?" So he was like, well, yeah, I'm going to space because the earth's going to be destroyed. And I was like, you know, uh, because God, no, no, we don't have enough. He said, we've got 20 years because we have this methane gas in the atmosphere. So I started Googling, why he's talking? I'm like, yeah, where is this nigga? <laughs> what does he eat? What edible did he eat today? So I'm Googling stuff. And I, to my shock and displeasure, you know, he technically, by most scientists, they may say 30 years, but we have a very short time. Um, because of the 
So I, I freaked out for two days straight, right? Like I had ate an wow. elephant. You know? wow. And then I ended up finding on this app called Owl a environmental uh, sustainable uh, scientist who does marine life and uh, uses plants to destroy the gas in the atmosphere. And he Whoa. actually told me about hemp and growing hemp and how hemp can, like, if we grew, if we set up a lot of hemp farms around the world, we would be able to take away some of this gas in the air. So my Ooh. friend, I had asked him, isn't there, isn't there a solution? He's like, I don't know one, but I just know <laughs> I'm going to Mars. And I was like, wait, wow. what, dude, what about everybody on the planet? Like, you can't go to Mars. Like, what are you talking <laughs> Yeah, right. Like, what the fuck? No, they can't just all go to Mars. Like, what the hell? Wow. So, and Elon Musk is racist. So, like, you know. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. anyway, hemp. But this, but the thing on Owl, this guy, he's talking deep. Was he like an expert or something? Yeah, yeah. There's a book out and everything. And I, so I read, like, I'm like my friend had me on this research. You know, like the timeline and what the nation conferences of scientists have said. Like, I was, I was gonna, I went to this, this rabbit hole of like primarily because of the heat and what's going to happen to the planet because of the gas it's going to and you got knuckleheads in the u.s that are doing still doing fracking which are creating the the fault lines on all these old earthquakes you know all, all these all these uh faults and so you know that crack brings up lava in the middle of the united states so it's like like wow. oh, god this is terrible <laughs> you know and the earth is heating up so it's just, it's a, it's a, you know, so anyway, my point was to say that it's good on Earth Day to have this conversation about clothes, because in this article, it talks about the, that textile manufacturers the number two production of things that are harming the planet when it comes to water and it comes to soil. So I was like, dang, I did not know textiles is that thing. What? Um, yeah, not that's the in the article. Not the clothes, not the clothes. Yeah, so if we start harvesting hemp, one for the air, but then two for the clothes, you know, so it's starting to seem like I started to see, you know, visions of Star Trek and other things where everybody's kind of wearing the same thing. And, Whoa. you know, there's a reason for that. <laughs> because, you know, and, and look, let me, let us, let us, let us find out that Kanye was ahead of his time with these ugly clothes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Designs and stuff. Wow. But I think you can do some interesting things with him. I don't think everything has to be, you know. Um, but my point is, is that this is great for Earth Day. This is great news for us as a people. And I'm just happy that we were able to find this article to talk about it. <clears throat> That's right. And there's nothing more earthy to talk about than him. So I'm with you. Yeah, this is this is phenomenal. All right, so our second article um, that I am excited to go over, and it's, like I said, these articles are all in our, you can all uh, swipe through our top of the room here and see these different articles. The second article um, is something that's near and dear to my heart, and that is incubators. Out of Oakland, this article is from Biz Journal, San Francisco, uh, there's a storefront that become became an incubator for a dozen of Black-owned, actually more than a dozen Black-owned businesses. What this is, is that a nonprofit and two business owners turn a 2,000-square-foot storefront, so 2,000 square feet, 
into, <coughs> excuse me, a downtown Oakland opportunity for more than 12 black business entrepreneurs starting this Saturday. Uh, actually, wow. Friday. And so it's dubbed uh, Loyal to the Soil. <laughs> Such an open thing. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I like Collective. it. Though. I like it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's catchy. It's definitely catchy. I'm, I'm curious to see what the logo looks like. Um, the store is located at 1719 Broadway, and it's going to be a three month trial run for those entrepreneurs to gain exposure in a prime downtown storefront space, master business fundamentals, improve their adventure ch- chances for sustaining later success in a brick and mortar space of their own. Now, this has been done in many places. I was part of something uh, back in the day in Brooklyn, and it was right there on Fulton Street. And it was a sister who created a great incubator um, for, I think it was that was probably only seven or eight businesses. They all had kind of like their own counter space and their own section. A lot of it was um, uh, jewelry or uh, fashion, you know, blouses, scarves. And I think one person was a barber. And it was pretty dope that um, in Fort Greene, Brooklyn, there was a storefront incubator um, that was there for many, many years. <clears throat> so I'm really familiar with this, and I really like to see it. Like to see it always pop up, so that you can actually, um, you know, in a retail space, that's what's super difficult is to do this type of thing in retail. Uh, that's right. It was called 4W, 4W, and 4W Circle, and so. Um, this was such a beautiful thing. It closed in uh, twenty in two thousand and two thousand eight, but it was open for twenty years. Four W Circle of Art and Enterprise, the Fulton Street wow. Art Incubator. So it was also art was there, and this was during that time period, two decades of during that time period where Black Planet was launched, where Jessica Care Moore was doing her poetry on Apollo, you know. And uh, Erica Badu was still living in Fort Green, walking around barefoot. That's Erica did walk around barefoot in Brooklyn. And there was a store called Moshoot uh, that had live uh, models. every, And so different famous people that lived in Brooklyn at the time would be modeling in the window of Moshoot. Moshoot is considered one of the top uh, African fashion designers in America for the last 30 some years. Um, everybody's wore his stuff and it's always on, at at art or um, at uh, award shows. It's a, it's a very distinct look that he has and it has his label. This it's almost African mask is his known label for Moshoot. But anyway, while that was happening, here was uh, 4W, Circle of Art Enterprise. So totally familiar with this. Love the concept. Uh, it's sustainable. Like, I, like we said here, this was going on for 20 years. And uh, she only closed because the the um, <clears throat> the rates had changed. She had to increase her rent. And tw- this was in 2008. Her rent had increased to 2500 a month. So the spaces had to go for 650 a month. And she said there was a lot. She couldn't find a lot of people interested in a small space for 650 a month. So, you know. Wow. But, you know, this is really interesting on so many different levels. Because I love that we're pulling together resources, okay? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And and I'm glad you gave the example 
um, of the place in Brooklyn, because when you said it, it kind of reminded me of, of other collectives. Like there's a thing now where they have salon suites. You go get your hair done right. and right. yeah, that kind of thing. And people yep. pull together their resources and they do great things. But I just really need to know this. I need to know this in my heart. I need to know this with some certainty. What is the difference between me and you getting together with a couple other people and just kind of collectively having a hookup versus a bona fide incubator? Well, uh, in this case, they have a nonprofit that is nonprofit, I believe, got the space. And the nonprofit profit is is probably responsible for most of the the transaction, like the the, the legistic le- legality and the logistical um, uh, what do you call it? You know, like the rent. The, the the they're probably on the hook as a as a co-signer or a signer, and then 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 they're you know you have to have the right paperwork to sublet, especially in business in in commercial spacing. You have to, you know, it's it's not a, um, you can't do it. It's just uh, the paperwork has to be right. And so the intention of the nonprofit was to sublet this space to another group. And that group was supposed to be responsible for bringing other people. You know what I mean? So it's a sublet to a sublet to sublets, letties, you know? So that's a lot of technical um, logistic work that has to be right. done with the right uh, landlord. Right, right. No, I appreciate you going there because essentially, you know, because we will get something and call it anything. And it, it, and it sounds like it, it, it really is um, an incubator. I think there needs to be, you know, incubator is really involved now. And when you use that word, there's some expectations that kind of come with it. Technical assistance is one. You don't know how to do a lease. You need to learn how to do a lease. You don't know how to set your company up. You need to learn how to do it. You don't know how to get the financing. You need to know how to do it. It's a mentor-mentee kind of concept. And I think Uh that that is important because that's really something we're missing. We are missing kind of the the, the aggregate impact of pulling resources together and and really be able to go to the next level as a group. Yep. Totally agree with you. 100, 150-50%. Um, which brings us to, uh, and to what your point is, let me just say this. Um, <clears throat> the, so the nonprofit arm that they're renting a space from is called Oak Stop Alliance, which is a nonprofit arm of Oak Stop which is a black owned for-profit business offering affordable work and event space, as well as art programming at six locations around East Bay. Now, why did I not know there was a company called Oakstop? Like GameStop, but like, Oak. I didn't know that. I mean, you're in California. Did, you have, did anybody ever say, hey, my God, you want to go down to Oakstop and check out the, what they're doing in East Bay? No. No. Wow. So, uh, you know, kudos to 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 uh, hats off to Black. I'm sorry to Biz Journals for covering this because this could easily have been uh, a yarn story. You know, like somebody, oh, Black business join together. Ooh, that's not anything new. Uh, instead, you know, it's a, it's a lot of gems in this. And the other gem that I found is that they're listing all 15 businesses in this article. So they list this one. <laughs> I like this last the last name of this. 
uh, is entrepreneurial Negro. <laughs> so that oh I don't know what that business is. But <laughs> Hella, Hella Burrico, Burrico, uh, Black Essence Pump, Slick Body Butter, Cosmic Libations, Art Audacity, uh, Hella Healthy Essentials, Melanin Meanings, Jade's Moon Soaps, Lunar Remedy, uh, Shop, Janelle, Nicole, um, so soul blends and Penrose Apoca three, um, or my soul blends. So, wow. Okay. One quick question. Yep. How many of how many of those fifteen business people have their trademarks for those names? No, that that's listen. This is why I got the article. I was like, wow. I know Auntie Donna Brown. Got to call. She could just sit there. This article go bing 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 bing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you. That's exactly part of part of it. You know, you got to make sure you're set up right. And I think I read in there, which I thought was really interesting, that um, the first three months is rent free. Did I see that yeah. correctly? Yeah, I think that uh, I can't see that sustainable, but I think that's a good idea. Definitely, you know, for the the you know you being deciding to come with us and be first. Yeah, I love that concept. It's totally not sustainable, but I love the concept. I think the concept is thebomb.com. Okay, so, yeah, so let's talk about that concept. Has the profit arm, in essence, created a funnel through its nonprofit arm? I don't know. What does the profit arm do that these non that these people could benefit from? Um, the profit arm is just doing, I think, event space and, like, uh, you know, I guess, like, let's let's say they got this space specifically for this reason, but they have six other locations. So, it, it, I don't know that this location they needed this landlord. You know, they needed to, uh, you know, I don't know what it was, but they got a lease, and it's a month. Is, is it a month to month? Yes. So after six months, this lease converts to month to month. So they don't. They're not stuck with these people now. That now that's from a, from a business perspective. That's scary as f. Because uh, no, no, no. In, New York, in New York, they don't play that. They be out. You be, you be, you got your customer base. They made it scale up, and it t- there's a coffee bean place in this in this list. Look, they scale up. They're like, look, y'all out. Starbucks right here. We got a great location. So, so to your point about a funnel, like I don't know. Okay, but, so, but, wait, 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 Martin. I just let me jump in real quick here because think about this. So you get, you have a business, you just started, you mm-hmm. really don't, you're not self-sustainable, mm-hmm. so the three months mm-hmm. is important. Mm-hmm. You, get accust- you get accustomed to being in a brick and mortar. You like mm-hmm. it, okay? Now, yeah. now you don't have to do these pop-ups all over the city. But then mm-hmm. now we can try and see if you can sustain it from month to month. But guess what? If you cannot sustain it from month to month, the primary parent company does what? event spaces so instead of popping up in the middle of this alley and this street and that school why don't you keep your taste for luxury and stay in a really nice quality event space and be consistent so people know from time to time i'm gonna see so and so in this space yeah i mean i i see that i see that that's 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 definitely doable um you know i think that they so they have, I'm looking at their site and they, um, you know, I would like to see is this, they said it's black. So I'm, I'm happy that it's black. Uh, that's what the article says anyway. 
But uh, I'm, I'm, um, the dedicated that's two fifty a month uh, uh, at other locations. Mail service now. See what they have now. What they have is ooh, mail service is only twenty dollars a month. That is dope. That's mad dope right there. Uh, co-working, just walking in, say, plopping your booty down, um, is um, <clears throat> fifty bucks a month. But if you want twenty four seven access, you got to upgrade for twenty four seven access, which is probably going to run you uh, the the office services, which includes twenty four hour access, twelve monthly meeting hours. That's seven fifty a month. But dedicated desk, which is lockable and stuff like that, you should probably get twenty four hour access with dedicated desk. That's two fifty a month. So that's reasonable. That's that's about fifty bucks less than um, WeWork and uh, in most cities. <clears throat> And that's like, not only is it reasonable, it's a model, right? It's like a la carte. They're now able to kind of take what they can afford. I'm there for three months and you give me the whole, you know, nine course meal, and 10 course meal. But then when I leave, I know what parts I really, really like. Oh, I like having a physical address. Oh, I like being able to bring people into this space. So here's my point as a bit from a business strategy uh, point of view. There are so many corporations who are missing the nonprofit play. So many corporations who have a primary business, like the event space, there are ancillary causes or or services that could be actually offered on a nonprofit basis that you believe in, that you support, that could actually be a funnel to your profit side. And I just love the way these people are doing that. But I would say this. um, One of the big challenges to doing that, besides hiring an attorney to manage you through that process, is um, when you go disillusion or to to, uh, get rid of or to take apart and uh, put it down the nonprofit, you can't do much with them like if you've done it correctly you made some money and that money has to now go into all these other vehicles you can't like once you get in getting out is basically spend all the money that's in it and then be at zero and that's the only way to kind of get out of the nonprofit once it's once it's done well and so you and that's that that to me is so um I just mentally and emotionally, I just like, you know, so it, it's so fine. It's like, you know, putting your pet down. <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh, oh my um, God, not the pet down. Martin, but, listen. But listen. I, w- I was going to also say that you have a lot of paperwork. So we in Philly, we have this thing called, um, I'm trying to think of the name of it right now, because I actually I have to pay a bill to them because they, do, uh, what is it called? It's running to my tongue. But anyway, they are a fiscal sponsor. But they don't just fiscal sponsor you. They actually give you all the services for 40 bucks a month. So every service that a nonprofit has to have, staff, payroll, insurance, for your 40 bucks a month, if they accept you into the program, you are, uh, and, and check this out, Donna, they actually give you space. So you have a key. You can come into their office 24-7. They're on one of the oldest streets in Philadelphia. 
And I was lucky enough to be accepted into that program for an idea. This, and this is a messed up thing. I mean, it's not messed up, but it's, 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 uh, it's such a thing to do that it was an idea we had. Me and my, um, friend, Charles Ellison, uh, we had an idea for a lab, a innovation space, um, not an innovation company. So we would take different ideas and innovate them. And in so what we wanted, to, we wanted to work with other nonprofits and we said, look, well, there's some, there was some grant money there um, for this type of thing. So we said, well, why don't we, why don't we find a fiscal sponsor? We don't know if it's going to work yet and let's find them. And I just happened to stumble on these people. And I was, I was in shock. I was like, what? I get to have free space and lawyer and accountant and insurance for $40 a month <laughs> yeah, and a, a, a key fob. You know, and it was in a decent loft building. It wasn't some, you know, crappy, uh, you know, in the hood building. This is downtown, you know, right in the midst, right three blocks from City Hall. Um, phenomenal space. The uh, the butt part, what I'll say, is that what that taught me in, in seeing how they, because you also became a member of their um, advisory board. So you had to sit at meetings, you know, you, they wanted to really collectively make sure that everybody was understanding how nonprofits work. And it's a lot of work. It to me is running a nonprofit is a little bit tougher than running a for-profit. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The paperwork is real, you know, and, and so to get that nonprofit status, you know, it might appear to be free, but it really isn't. There is, there are a lot of reporting uh, requirements on that. But I, but I will say, I, I will say this though, that nonprofit, I like the way this place in Philly did it. Okay. Because by having you sit on the advisory board, now you can make an informed decision on whether or not I want to have a corporation, be a sole proprietor or have a nonprofit. And, and a lot of people, A, they can't make that decision because they don't know the difference. Or B, they're under the misunderstanding that if I own a nonprofit, that means I can't make any money. Well, if you are the employee of that nonprofit, you can earn your salary in that nonprofit. And that's a, you know, that's a chunk of change right there. So I like the way you had that program in Philly. I hope that more people will adopt that and what the people are doing in Cali, because those are some really, really good options to get jump started and springboard into business, I would say. The place in Philly is called CultureWorks, P-H-I-L-A dot org. So CultureWorksPhil.org. And um, I just look at their, their new new pictures of the new space they, they've expanded that building they're in they got they took off another office of somebody down the hall so they're actually expanding they have a huge like boardroom that you can use but again it's you know it's a non-profit fiscal sponsor so they act as a non-profit themselves they're a trust and um <clears throat> it's, it's it's a dope like you said it's a dope idea it's just uh and like you said it also you know brings home the point that uh there is you know, there's a lot of work to get in nonprofit. And the biggest thing for me was there wasn't a guarantee. I'm glad we did it this way. Um, even though, you know, it's still, uh, uh, I'm still being billed, <laughs> but the point of making is that, um, they, uh, how do I say it? The, what I realized was you go through all that work and there was no guarantee that I was going to get a grant. It wasn't from them. It was, you know, just get a grant. We had heard about a grant, and we applied and we actually got that one grant. 
But then I realized I have, I, I need to be on a grant hunt, you know, and it's a full time. That's a full time gig to really find grants. Um, and this is before obviously George Floyd and all of that stuff. So it was a different era um, in 2017 to find grants than it was now. And so now I'd probably be like, yeah, let's 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 do it. But at the same time, um, besides the grant paperwork you fill out, uh, culture works. There's paperwork, and there's you know you're part of a nonprofit collective, so you have meetings you're supposed to attend. You have you know it's just it's just it's just a lot. So running that and running a business, I think, is you know if you can do it, if you have a partner that's really down. But this place in now this Oak Stop, have you seen their website? This Oak Stop, I, I now this Don, this this might be this might be uh, Donna Brown's third. <laughs> um, you know, third act because this is some pretty special stuff right here. They have six locations, and those six locations, uh, one is an event space. Like I, I so I, I'm surprised this company has six locations. That's 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 huge to me. And then a few of them are just event spaces. So that those are always easy. Like you know how easy it is to maintain an event space, man. Please. <laughs> And then those are for gallery showings or like, this is, they, and it, and all they're doing is renting, you know, out building space that probably was not being used and it was in the hood probably. Um, you know, this is pretty, pretty darn smart. Um, I, I, I can't believe I haven't heard about them before. Nobody yeah. in Oakland has ever mentioned this space to me. Nobody in Oakland has ever, I have some really strong people there. And uh, like I told you about Kamal, I love being black. He's in Oakland. I'm like, dude, what the? Like, do you know about Oak Space? I'm gonna see. Well, what you're You're probably like, yeah, I know about that. It's like, nah, bro, six locations. That's huge. How long has it been open? Good question. That's a good question. I didn't do the. I haven't done the research. I'm in the middle of sending um, uh, sending Kamal a question, um, about that. So. <clears throat> Um, well, but, yeah. well I, I will say this, okay? I think a lot of people are starting to um, make these opportunities available. I have seen some in in LA, a couple of them, you know, because I'm in SoCal. Yeah. I, I, but but not nonprofit, just spaces, okay. just just the event space where mm. you can kind of more along the WeWork kind of mm. you know yeah. um, model. But I, but I do think that they are really good meeting spaces because uh, when you have like-minded people, what they're doing is not just creating space, but that, that the reason I call it a funnel is because of the demographic to which it appeals, right? So now you have people who you can cross uh, promote with. And for me, that's everything because now you are enlarging your market. If I got 15 people who, you know, we're in the same space, we might have some things that align and I can share my marketing list with them. I just exponentially come up. Yeah. Um, it looks like their Twitter account was established in 2014. So okay. they're out there. Okay. But now I have to give a plug because, you know, I'm big on using the free resources. 
And so uh, while I like these resources, they are, there's no but to that. These are outstanding. And uh, also, there are resources at uh, your local SBA. A lot of people don't know this. Your local small business association, Administrator Guzman is on a mission to, to make sure that she reaches small business, especially black and women owned. She has a program called Thrive. You can Google that where they're coming together and just kind of reimagining what business looks like together, putting people together in partnership with the SBDC, Small Business Development Center, where everything is free. You don't get a PO box, but everything is free. You all your consultations, and then of course score, and that's that core of retired executives, which I'm a right. part of. And right. so there's a lot of resources out there for people who are ready to step into the space. I would suggest people just tap in and stay tuned because you're bringing it regularly, but there are a lot of other resources out there that people need to know about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love it. Um, so <clears throat> I did want to talk about this last story before we get off the air. And that's when, if you're scrolling in our room, uh, the one about, uh, there's three or four stories there. And I did not, I thought I posted it. Dang, I didn't post it. This story is a, a shocker to me. I, I had no idea that there wasn't a black owned distillery in America until recently. And I'm like, what, what? That's, that's not, what, what, that, uh, 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 uh. And how can that be? This is twenty twenty two. How can that be? Right. And I, I know that there is a whiskey, you know, that's black owned. So I'm like, is she I guess they're making it not on site and they're distilling it, you know, from someplace else. So um just just being the fact that there that um this person was able to create a distillery in America where it's so hard, but the, the, the irony of where he created it at, like where he was able to get this done at is, you know, interesting. And the fact that he was a homeless, raises a homeless child. So he got it done in Minneapolis, Minnesota. This is from April. Whoa, 20- whoa, 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 whoa. He creates a distillery, but his child is homeless? His not, no, his childhood. He grew up as a child of homelessness. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And so um, he is called Do, I guess, Dual Nor Social Spirits. And um, it's a beautiful logo he has um, on the store front window. And. Uh, yeah, he did. He slept on couches and couch surfed, and uh, as a time as a as a child, he had no place to go. And so he went on to pursue a law law and order uh, career, um, but he, did, he didn't really like it. So he decided to um, open a distillery, and he went to his first distillers conference, and he was the only black guy, only black person there. Period. So uh, he has made sure to create spirits for different people in his life. So our high school teacher uh, who believed in him, he created their own coffee liqueur named after them. 
So wait, this just happened in 2022? Yep. So I thought I thought Vanessa Braxton was the first woman black owned distillery. Yeah, no, this is this says it this is this is so I think the distillery um you know uh he didn't create it in twenty twenty two, but I'm saying I think it was uh it doesn't say the exact date. He did his distillery was damaged in the and doing the um the unrest. Um <clears throat> so it was been around for a minute. I guess I can go to the website. Uh, the, you know, the thing about these news articles, they don't put links to people's sites in them, especially the bigger companies. Right. They, like, and that's, that's, that's wrong. You know, you should, you should really but, put links. But, but, but the thing is, he did mm-hmm. it, and, and there's not a lot of them, whether it was him or Vanessa. I will say, if you Google Vanessa Braxton, she just was recently acknowledged for her being the first woman uh, black woman-owned distillery in April. Right. There's an April 5th article, and she got five proclamations from the U.S. government. So I know she's in that space too. I know now you're telling me this gentleman, but if that's it, we got a wide open market. We need to be grooming some more people for our next generation uh, to do this type of thing, because this is not the definition of, you know, just the full and complete competition right here. Right. So it looks like he got an award in 2018 uh, for American Craft Spirits. Uh, oh, he was a he's a president of the American Craft Spirits Association. In 2018. Um, and he has a picture of himself in the room. I don't know what year this was, but. He's literally the only black person in the room. <laughs> uh, so, Ooh, I think it's so. Been there, I, done that. <laughs> right. And I think the distillery, um, you know, the, 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 the actual, you know, process of distilling, I think that's where, uh, you know, we, we get where you get the first that. And, and I think that, um, I don't know, like, you know, sort of pro- like, I think part of this is what's the process of how are you distilling and what you're distilling. So he may be the first spirits because he's doing vodka, gin, whiskey, apple liqueur, and coffee liqueur. So it's, okay, a, so that's, that's, yeah. it's a real distillery. It's not designed to distill just one thing. That's a true distillery where you can, you can he could do other people's brands. Got it. Got it. Well, I'm going to tell you this, okay? Vanessa Braxton, if you are listening, we're going to need you to, I'm shouting out, saying we're going to need you to come and, and break this down for us because um, I know she did Black Mama Vodka. And I mean, that was that, that was almost 10 years ago. And, and it included uh, different twists with uh, like uh, some infusions for, for different spirits, if you will. Now, mm-hmm. let me just say this. We do not want to start a war amongst our people. Both people are great, but I do want to just have a, make sure we got our facts right. And maybe this gentleman or maybe Vanessa or whomever will come and, you know, come holler at us because we want to make sure we get it out right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, so... He well, he they say that they're first fully operational black owned facility to be federally licensed. So they may have been got their license way before she got her license. Uh, 
to this deal. That may be the claim claim to fame. Whereas NBC says it's the only one. You know, they may say that they're saying they're the first. Yeah, and I, I, you know, now, NBC, who is that? Okay, you know, Black Biz Report. That's they, why well, it's to us. It's <laughs> in the day. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it says it's the first. That's what they come to us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. I got you. So this has been another Black uh, Biz Reports. And uh, myself and Donna Brown, happy to have you guys join and listen in. Uh, take a look at our links. Scroll through. See some great stories we haven't covered. A funding program, incubator. Um, <clears throat> and... Um, you know, in different states, there are opportunities. So just keep your eyes and ears open and listen to Black Biz Reports. I'm Martin Pratt. Donna Brown. And I'm Auntie, I'm Auntie Donna Brown. That's we'll right. see y'all next time. There you go. Bye-bye.